Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is 10.01 a.m. <clears throat> Excuse me, testing, testing. <laughs> um, I already forgot what I was going to say. Like, just that simple. Like, just that quick. I'm just like... <sighs> what was I going to say? You know, recapping yesterday. I didn't really do much yesterday. Um... Yeah, I did so much. How do I? How do I? So yesterday I was feeling very um, sort of frustrated. But at the same time, once I got the news, you know, I was like, "Oh man, everything just 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 coming together. Everything just pieced together." So I'm being very cryptic right now. Apologies, not really, but. Builds up attention, you know. <laughs> Let me stop. Um, so yesterday started out the day, the usual. Um, but I guess after after my podcast yesterday, after yesterday's audio journal, I got to thinking. Well, first of all, I was kind of frustrated because I I didn't I, for some reason I forgot to talk about voxels, like um, the no cap gaming dude. He did an episode um, explaining what voxels were because there's this other YouTuber and engineer guy by the name of, I think, Jeremy Lin or something like that. Um, I think that's just not my, I might have gotten that wrong. But he he's making a whole engine, a modern day voxel engine where the entire game is built with voxels and really good looking ones too. Like It looks beautiful. Um... And I, I really wanted to talk about that because that is, you know, a lot that I think Voxel is going to be the future of gaming. You know, I think what Unreal is doing with uh, their crazy pixels and all this other stuff, their billions of triangles, whatever, is, is super cool. Don't get me wrong. But I think in terms of interactivity, Voxel is going to be the jam because that's what allows you to, like, break everything. And that's, that's not really what's important, but... What I mean by that is the deformation. It's the ability to change objects on the fly in the middle of a game, right? You don't have to worry about switching one. Um, how, do, how, how do they do it? I think they switch basically the... I forgot the word for it, but basically they switch versions of an object. For instance, if you want to break an, a cup or something, right? It, you can't unless they have coded in the ability to break that cup in which they... You know, switch out the model, yeah, the model for a whole cup, and then the model for a broken cup, right? <laughs> and then you have some translations between them or something like that. Um, if you're lucky, you might have, you know, uh, different stages of, of of breaking or or changing something. For instance, if you want to, you know, show uh, terrain deformation, you know, you can show the model for for this terrain and then the model for, you know. Uh, that terrain and that another but they have to like you have to know ahead of time you know the different states of of change and then put all those models in even when you're like doing something that seems like it's it's actually doing something like when you're mining a stone or a tree or something like that right that's it's the same model (laughs) it's the same models for each one for the whole stone and then when the stone is in pieces and then you break those pieces apart and then those pieces go flying somewhere right those are all pre-rendered models that had just been you know substituted in um at the correct time and they they do it very cleverly right and oftentimes it looks pretty good but if you're paying attention to it um you often notice that it's repetitive it's the same models or the same handful of models or something like that you know But for a world in which you can, you know, not only cut down any tree, but you can grow any tree, right? Not only cut down wood, but you can take that wood piece and then chip it to form a new, a completely new thing, right? And that becomes your crafted item, right? In that type of world, I think voxels or something like it will be the way to go. So I was really kind of annoyed with myself that I didn't talk about that. (laughs) Um... So I'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think, because there's a lot more stuff I can say. But um, that whole episode, I really, it happens very often, I'm not going to lie, after many of these entries, is that I kind of feel restless. 
even more restless because I'm just like, oh man, I wish I could do this. You know, I have all these ideas for how I think, what what I think will kind of help the world, um, or at least something things I I know I will enjoy doing. But it often feels like I can't do those because I don't have the skill set because there's no tools out there for it. Because, you know, I'm like too ahead of my time. <laughs> and I don't mean that, that, oh, yeah, if only, you know, I was, if only the, the world caught up with me, you know. No, it's just like I find it really difficult to make use of the current tools, right? <laughs> and that's a problem I've been facing for a long time. Like, even though I really enjoy design, I have I rarely ever mess with Figma, right? I rarely ever go in Figma and just start creating things and all the other stuff. Um, same thing for 3D modeling tools, this, that, and the other. Some, most of the time, I can't use many of them because I just, you know, they just don't run on my laptop. But <laughs> um, the ones I do have, I, I don't, I don't mess around with it too much, right? And that's concerning because every single great designer, right? Especially, I was talking to someone yesterday, um, later in the evening. This was after my news, so I was feeling much better. But every great designer, you know, practices their craft. Like, shout out to Kerry. I'm not sure if he's going to listen to this episode, but I had to listen to my Facebook episode. Um, but he is, he's, like, so inspiring to me because he constantly is, like, working on his craft. Like, he's always redoing his portfolio and copying visual designs and looking at topography and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, that is a designer right there. Like, oftentimes, I don't feel like a designer. <laughs> Even though I feel like design is good for me specifically user experience design and strategy and stuff like that but like design as a craft as like getting in there and and doing stuff like i just don't feel like that's me because the the tools at hand i just get so frustrated i'm just like oh i wish i could do this and that and that and and sh- people will be like oh yeah like sometimes carrie's like oh yeah you just got to practice it with it more and you'll be able to you know see what you can do and all that but i'm like no no it's not that like i understand that there's things that you can do and the crafting it just takes practicing, like using auto layout or, you know, components and all this other stuff. What I'm trying to do is like, that's li- things that, I'm not going to say it's literally impossible, but exceedingly difficult to do with those tools. For instance, I want to create a freaking uh, dynamic city, right? I want to simulate cities so that you can, like, I'm looking at this road right here, my, my suburb, right? I want to be able to simulate my entire suburb and then put in you know um different urban planning ideas that that show you know how to make this suburb more popular more more popping like more more lived in more walkable right i want to simulate my entire city and and then show you know take this road out put another road in you know simulate the traffic that's going in and out the people the the businesses all this other stuff to kind of mess around and, and show people this is this is what the city can be right and this is what it will take to do that Right. I want to be able to do stuff like that. I want to be able to take ideas that I have and be like, OK, um, here's what a, you know, a, a flying, a flying city could look like. Here's what a, you know, a city with flying cars could look like. Here's what the infrastructure might look like. Here's the, you know, I want to do all that. And unfortunately, it's exceedingly difficult next to impossible to do any of that. Right. To even begin to do that, you have to spend so much time learning 3d modeling right and then when you learn 3d modeling you realize that (laughs) it's so difficult just to do you know some really get some really good looking stuff that you'll spend months if not years and a whole bunch of money a whole bunch of time just trying to you know figure out how to 3d model a building correctly much less an entire city you know then you realize that you can't really do this by yourself you need a whole bunch of other people right and i don't mind working with other people don't get me wrong I, i i know that I need other people and a whole team, but that's another one of my frustrations. But the fact is that I wish I didn't need a whole bunch of people just to do the simple stuff, like what should be simple in my mind. Like for me, it's I have all these ideas. Like I have a a fairly clear vision of you know how you can replace an entire city with you know to make it more walkable. Maybe not street by street, but the general ideas, and I can you know piece them together and figure it out just like I did with Legos, right? But I feel like I would need a team to begin implementing this and to get more feedback, to get more ideas into, you know, um, civic engineers, you know, what, 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 more, more things about 
structure or infrastructure, or, you know, pipelines and all this other stuff that I don't know about. Like, I, obviously, I know I need a team, but I feel like in order to just visualize my ideas, I should be able to do that by myself. And it, and I get it's so frustrated that I can't. At least that it feels like I can't. You know. So yesterday I was feeling kind of restless, in which I was like, "Oh man, I want to do so much stuff," but then I felt like bad because I I couldn't. I, I felt I felt inferior and and kind of just useless, <laughs> and that I couldn't. You know get out there and 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 do what i want to do i don't know if any of that makes sense but <laughs> it was just very it was a very visceral feeling um and um in those times it, even though it seems like a, a a dumb or simple thing you know i'm sure many other people have this sort of thing i guess i guess this is this is why you know knowing that i'm a highly sensitive person this kind of helps me feel less crazy but <laughs> during these times, like, I feel like I feel so bad. Like, I just I want to scrape my skin off. I want to jump out a window. Like, I want to do some crazy stuff. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Like, it's just these feelings when I when I get in that, into that mode, you know, it's hard for me to seek that perspective or at least, you know, not not go so deep into those those. uh that feeling of frustration and depression. But um was talking with my partner and um I was helping a little bit. Um but much of what she was saying is things that I already knew and I was like or or things that I, that that wasn't quite what I was you know worried about. Um but we got to talking some more. I realized that you know some of this comes from the fact that I just don't I just don't kind of share my inner, my most inner thoughts. Even though I share a lot over the podcast, for instance, right? A lot of, even a lot of this stuff I share over the podcast, I don't share with her or with anybody else. This is another reason why I enjoy this, <laughs> this podcast, this audio journal, because I can kind of talk about things in a, in a more free way. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's even deeper stuff that I almost pretty much never talk about to anybody, you know, including her. Um, and we kind of work through that through some of that so you know that was helpful um then I took a little nap or I was trying to take a nap and then I got the call Turn. finally gonna get this off a letter you know I don't want to say too much you know because it's not here in my hands yet it hasn't gotten signed but when that when that gets signed I'll talk about it more but it was a huge huge thing it was a huge thing. So um, that made me feel a lot better, especially because of the timing. Right? When I was talking with my partner earlier, we were talking about how important it is to, as we go into this next phase of our lives, of our relationship and all this other stuff, to kind of let go of, you know, expectations and, and um, fears and anxieties and all this other stuff to not hold things in as 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 closely or as you know um as tight handed to kind of get a better create better habits of expressing ourselves expressing myself and um it was tough to to kind of go through that because it's kind of like we call it shedding it's like shedding your old you know not just your old ways of doing things but your old old ideas of yourself you know things that you think you can do or can't do um even to an extent dreams you have not because you know those dreams are bad or anything like that but because sometimes we we use those dreams as as a form of um resistance to what is right and this this kind of all was um What's the term? All wrapped up, I guess. This, this is all kind of brought together very well in this in this book I was reading today. I get to that shortly, but ooh, excuse me. Um, just shedding all of those expectations, shedding all of those worries and anxieties and all this other stuff is super helpful. You know, helps you move forward more. 
and um, to be less concerned with you know what is and what what you wish to be and instead being able to accept where you are right now right it was crazy because right after we had that talk I said you know like I said we tried to have that I tried to take a nap and all that kind of sleep on that meditate on that in a way and boom I get the call and for me this is like super life-changing because you know when this offer letter gets signed I'm finally gonna be making more money than I've ever made in my entire life than my parents have ever made in their entire life at least in terms of a salary Right? This is life-changing stuff. This is like leaving poverty type of stuff, you know? <laughs> and it's just, just amazing because living in poverty very much instills and creates habits and ways of thinking and ways of dealing with emotion and with stress that is fairly unhealthy. You know, there's some, sure, there's some resilience that you learn. The fact that you've been through things that most people have never even thought to, you know, <laughs> to worry about. Like, yeah, that kind of builds character or whatever. But for the most part, it's deeply traumatic. All right. And I say that as a person who never really wanted to, you know, think of myself as, you know, as a person with PTSD or as a person that has been through a lot, like, I've always known that there's people that, that, that's been through far worse, right? And I've always kind of seen my life as like, okay, it's just, just it's, it's whatever, right? It's, it's a, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie, like, I've been through a lot, man. I've been homeless, like, three, four times. Luckily, never on the street. That's what's always been so weird for me. Because I knew... Especially after ninth grade when I started looking at the, you know, income levels and all this other stuff. I knew we was poor as hell. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, my parents, my, my entire family, our household income when I was in high school was below 20000 20000 for a family of six at the time, six or seven, right? $20,000 a year. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and, um... There's been so many times when we were like, didn't know what we were going to eat, you know, didn't even have like running water because you couldn't pay the bills. Like I remember this, this one of the old houses we lived in, I was in elementary school um, during a storm or really for a period of a couple months. We couldn't pay many of the bills like electricity, heating, water, stuff like that. So we would, um, luckily we had a fireplace. So we would take, we actually use the fireplace to boil water, um, boil rainwater, and um, cook some hot dogs in there, stuff like that. <laughs> like, man, it's crazy when I when I think back at, you know, what we lived through. And um, like I said, I, I I knew it wasn't that bad. Like, I, I, I wasn't on the street, you know. I never was part of any sort of gang violence or some crazy like that, you know. Um, I never broken a bone in my body or had to go to the hospital for something serious. Well, I had like allergic reaction one time and um, had a uh, ear infection when I was younger. But uh, besides that, like I never really, you know, had something super crazy. For me, it was kind of like mild poverty. <laughs> um. But, like, to this day, I still have clothes that I wear that I wore in middle school. You know, to this day, <laughs> I can fit almost all of my belongings in, like, a single container. Or at least maybe maybe two or three containers now because I bought a few, a few more stuff since then with my own monies. But, like, I, mean, I moved, like, 18 times all in the span or all in the same, like, general geographic area. Like, I never went to different states. But we moved all around the 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 state the uh, the city or the county, you know, when eviction due to evictions or due to this that due to that, and it's just like I've experienced what it's like when it's just one thing after another. You know, you think you're getting up there, then boom, something happens, and now you got to deal with this new thing. One emergency after another, car break, cars breaking down, time and time again. Like, I thought that was normal, that a car would break down, you know, every every year, every two years, 
But no, I was talking to my boss and he was like, he had his car, he has it broken down and, and since he bought it, you know, years ago. <laughs> um, you know, regularly, he regularly fixes cars and he hasn't had nearly as many issues as, as my family has had with our vehicles. You know, stuff like that is just like, puts things into perspective. And now with this, you know, this opportunity, it's like I want to make sure I, I don't bring, you know, a whole bunch of baggage with me. Like, I, I want to make sure that I don't, I don't, you know, fall in the same mistakes, I guess, and do a bunch of mess. I want to make sure I have some good habits, you know, savings and all this other stuff. Like, I've tried before many times to save money. And you always say, oh, just put a, a certain amount away. But the fact that it's it's actually difficult to put money away. Like, I'm not sure people people realize how difficult, how difficult it is to put money away. First of all, you have to, like, trust your banks. <laughs> you have to find a bank that is trustworthy. And I mean, what I mean by that is, like, they don't give you a whole bunch of fees and don't disclaim those fees. Like, what people don't realize is that those small fees, they come, they, 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 they hit you hard, Right? If you if you make a good amount of money, you probably don't care about two dollar fees, five dollar fees, or whatever, or even thirty five dollar fee. But when you barely make you know eight dollars an hour, work twenty hours a week, even though you you want to work more, but they don't allow you because they don't want to give you you know um, full on full employment benefits like you know <laughs> um, and all this other stuff. So you got to pay taxes on that as well. So you're making even less technically. And so now you're trying to save and but the smallest thing, you know, that extra fee comes out and then all this other sudden you have an overdraft fee and that puts you more. And then you have another overdraft fee because you're already in overdraft. You know, luckily, some some banks, they, they stop it so that you, you only get one overdraft fee. But, um, you know, sometimes you you, you say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy this one thing and you think you're good. And then, boom, it hits you. And oh, here's another fee. <laughs> You know, or something big happens, you know, a car breaks down and all of a sudden all that saved money, you're going to have to use that because if you don't have a car, you're not going to be able to work because there's no public transit. There's no good public transit. You can't really get to the bus. All this other stuff. It just piles on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Like I said, man, it seriously is more expensive to be poor. But... The biggest thing for me, personally, like all that is, it is what it is. But the biggest thing for me personally is being able to accept where I am in terms of my skill set, in terms of my network, my friend group, my fan base or whatever. Just being able to accept where I am. Because I always get so frustrated because I have so many ideas. Like, you know, if you listen to this on a regular basis, I literally have dozens upon dozens, hundreds, thousands of ideas. And a lot of them might be might be okay. You know, <laughs> they might be kind of good. Hopefully, <laughs> I would think so. At least I've been told so. And it's frustrating because I look around and I see, you know, people make all these mistakes and people put all their hope and trust into politicians into this that and the other i'm just like why don't we do this you know why don't we do that <laughs> you know there's a whole bunch of evidence that shows that actually this is a better choice you know there's this, all this data that shows this is a, is what's happening and i felt i feel like if i had more influence or or more of a voice or more skills you know i'll be able to show people a better way but I'm not there yet. And that frustrates me to no end. Because I've always been like this. I've always been the ambitious person. You know, when it was back, I was trying to invent hover cars in third and, and ninth grade and so on. I was like, we can do this with our vehicles. And then when I learned, you know, flying vehicles wasn't the move. You know, we need to focus on better infrastructure. I was like, all those people hoping for flying cars, you know, they won't work. But here's what we can do instead. You know, here's a better alternative. But I didn't have a voice. I couldn't, you know, 
people still trying to build flying cars. <laughs> and I understand the dream, you know, definitely. But like, there's so many other infrastructure things we can be doing. And the metaverse stuff started coming out. The VR, virtual reality, and all this other stuff. I was already on that wave, you know. I, was, I told you, I used to read about um, that first book I read for virtual reality was, um, was that Saga? Edda Saga? Or Epic. Epic was the first book. Epic Edda Saga. Epic Saga Edda. I think that was a trilogy by Connor Costick. These people were living in a simulation. And that boggled, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy, yo. This is awesome. Like, what if, you know, <laughs> what if we was in the simulation? This was when I was in elementary school. I read that book. And I knew this, like, this is going to be the future. Then I started to think, you know, how would you build towards that? What would a good-looking simulation be and all this other stuff? So when virtual reality started coming out, I was already on the wave. I was like, okay. Hope we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that, right? Nope. Oculus. Oculus was cool, but then they bought by Facebook, and I was like, oh shit, man, this is gonna go the the snow crash route. This is gonna go the the um Ready Player One route. The, the IOI. Like, <laughs> I was just so disturbed because I was like, we could be doing so much more. We could be doing this, that, and the other. But I ain't have a voice. I ain't have any skills. And it came down to, you know, imagining new ways of, of building a better social media platform. I was like, we could be doing this, we could be doing that. But I ain't have the voice, I ain't have the skills. So on and so forth, time and time again. Meanwhile, I had to deal with, you know, every time I try to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to focus, I'm going to build these skills up, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> do something else, I'm going to be out there. Started writing a book about my life, just to you know practice writing a book and stuff like that. I was cool, but at the same time, I was dealing with you know three hours of commute, you know having to jump on two or three buses in the in the train, and you know especially at that time we were we were um, another time that that was another time we were homeless, so we were all crammed into this room in my cousin's you know house, um, whose wife didn't like us, and. Uh, trying to sabotage this that and the other and you know at work I was working at the arcade at that time so I was trying to do more there but uh, we didn't have funding so just had to grind it along so it felt like every time I tried to build my skills up and build my network up I had to struggle with so many real life issues I had to struggle with so many you know so much crap <laughs> And all that, you know, kept hitting me in it at the, on top of the head with, you know, on top of all that was depression, feeling like constantly completely worthless and just like, huh. so many times I was just like, you know, I'm going to just end it, you know, it's, it's whatever. On to the next one. But then I didn't even feel worthy of doing that because I was like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leave my mom and have her, you know, feeling some type of way because one of her kids, you know off themselves I like so I felt even more worthless because like why would I put my mom through that like why would I do that so I I was like in a purgatory of like wanting to end it but not wanting to you know put my family in distress and it was just like a constant battle in my mind of these things and I never told anybody because it's just like what's the point of even complaining about this stuff like everybody's dealing with their own things everybody's dealing with maybe even worse things like you know some of my siblings have actually have I want to say actual mental health issues, but <laughs> that's how I was thinking about it. You know, by, like bipolar stuff, where you actually need some medica medication or whatever. Um, after I just felt like I wasn't my stuff wasn't that serious, so I would constantly just keep it inside, and that made it even diff more difficult, you know, to focus on what I want to do because how can you focus on building your skills and investing in yourself when you don't even feel like yourself is, is important <laughs> but yeah 
you know it's just crazy and being able to like accept myself where I am and not feeling too down and out about it you know I'm not happy with where I am but being able to be at peace with where I am allows me to really move forward instead of constantly resisting that's what has been coming together that's how it's all been coming together in this chapter I've been reading this cringy <laughs> cringy book called uh, The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod Elrod um, and this is the person I, I think I mentioned before talking about how to achieve your dreams and all this other stuff he had a great podcast episode and I went ahead and got his book and been reading it and it feels cringy because like <laughs> the whole old miracles and all this stuff you can do what you can do and all this other stuff but you know he actually actually has some really great you know things he's saying and at the same time it feels like kind of privileged because like <laughs> he was talking about you know oh don't you don't you hate when you know you're in your job and you're you're trying to make this last sale and make another million dollars but then your client pulls out i'm just like oh yeah i hate that oh wow how terrible <laughs> he's like don't you hate when you're stuffing stuck in traffic and you're you're gonna be late for work i'm just like oh yeah stuck in traffic you know not a three-hour commute but yeah stuck in traffic <laughs> you know i was just trying to follow along with this but he mentioned things like you know getting his own in a car crash and um it was all basically fatal technically you know um died for six minutes they were able to uh revive him it's crazy like that that can happen with the body it's like your heart can stop beating (laughs) but they can revive you if, if it's within a few minutes but that happened to him and he was in a coma for a few days lost the use of his legs they're saying he would never walk again um, but he talked about with this chapter he talked about you know the five minute rule in which you do everything you can to or you feel you know your emotions as much as you want in five minutes and after that you know you just accept what, what's what's happening and, and move on um, this is a lot better in the in the chapter you know gets into the nuances but essentially he mentions how um, a lot of the emotional strife you know the emotional pain that we feel as humans is not necessarily from the outside world like a lot of times we say oh we're angry because this happened we're angry because that person did this to me we're frustrated because of this or exhausted because of this blah 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 but really and this actually does have some psychological you know sources like I've seen I've read about this in early other research, but a lot of our emotional pain comes from the resistance, right? It comes from the fact that we don't want to accept what hap- what has happened. You know, we can't believe it. We think it should have gone that. It's not fair. You know, all this other stuff. So a lot of that emotional pain, like emotion is just, uh, I mentioned this before, Emotion is just a feeling, or rather a, a an awareness of a feeling. You know, the actual feeling is like the kind of reaction to a situation. It's like you're, it's like a, similar to pain, you know, where it's a neural reaction telling us that something has happened, you know, so that's natural. But an emotion is, is, is more of a awareness of that feeling, saying, oh, you know, I feel, you know, raised heart heart rate and all this other stuff. And then it looks at the, you know, the world, the, the context, and it's just like, oh, I feel, you know, then you get the emotional, the, the emotional response. Say, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm happy, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad, blah, blah, blah. But it's an awareness, conscious awareness of the situation. But what happens is when we become resistant to what has happened, when we say, oh, man, no, it can't be this. You know, I can't believe this happened. It should have been, should have gone this way. Should have gone that way. And so our conscious mind then begins to constantly relive the situation, right? 
trying to simulate the situation. That's the whole point of the brain, or at least the neocortex. It's like simulates uh, reality and tries to figure out new ways of doing it and, and alternative, you know, um, it's a really loud crow, sorry, <laughs> uh, alternative um, options and all this other stuff. Like that, that's the job of the neocortex to simulate reality and figure out you know new ways of doing things or ways it could have gone differently or this that and the other right things that we may have missed or whatever create ideas but when that when you put that with you know other parts of the brain and which you know affects things like our emotions or creates things like our emotions then you begin to simulate the problem you begin to simulate you know what what caused you this emotional this feeling and because you're focusing on that over and over again, you're just reliving the same problem over and over again. All right. So when you say you feel angry because of this, it's not because of that. That was just the initial initial reaction. You're angry because you keep thinking about it, and you wish it was different. Right. You're trying to simulate a different outcome, but it's not possible because it that simulation only happens in your mind. Now I'm not sure if this part is, you know, this is my current my 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 own conjecture, my own theory, but. I think that I don't think that the neocortex can really differentiate between its own simulations and that of reality. <laughs> I think the neocortex is kind of blind to which reality is the real reality. It only pays attention. Like I think that's up to our conscious mind to decide, you know, which is the real reality. And we, if we constantly are simulating, you know, this anger, this this feeling, and we're constantly feeling that, right? We keep we keep creating that response we keep creating that reaction within our bodies because we keep reliving that reality now he didn't say you know say it like this in the, in the chapter i'm just explaining it based on my own you know understandings of how emotions work but he goes on he goes on to say how you know negative emotions you know these positive 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 he has positively charged emotions and negatively charged emotions right these are a choice, or at least a conscious awareness, right? For those that don't believe in for real, like me, <laughs> these are a conscious awareness of what's going on in our in our minds, in our bodies. And so, you, at any point, you can actually not feel those things. It's not about ignoring them; they're still there, but you don't have to con- con- you don't have to consciously. You know, fixate on it. He says you can achieve inner peace by accepting the situation, by saying, "Okay, it's done. I can't change it anymore." And then you, then you can think about what you can do now, what you can do to, you know, be in a better situation or to deal with what you have or whatever. Right? You can actually think about the the solutions rather than fixating on the problems, on the wrong part of the problems too. So achieving this inner peace is all about, you know, accepting where you are. And this hit me because, like, this is what what my partner was saying yesterday. You know, this is what I've been reading about over the last couple of weeks and months and years. You know, a lot of stoicism talks about the same thing. You know, a lot of psychology, a lot of positive psychology talks about the same thing. A lot of neurochemistry talks about the same thing. And once again, when you have all these signs, when you have all these signals, you know, Pointing to the same direction and like, ah, there's probably something there. So for me, the fact that I just read this, you know, right after, you know, my partner says this yesterday and now after I get this news about the awful letter and everything else like like that, I'm just like, yeah, this is time. <laughs> High time to accept, not accept my mediocrity or anything like that, but accept just where I am on the journey. You know, once again, this is a journey. And every step of the way is a new part of that journey. On every step, you know, there's a different vista. And I can I can enjoy the sights. I can enjoy the the process. You know, Gary V. <laughs> I used to really really enjoy Gary V. I don't really listen to him anymore. Um, not for any reason. I just, you know, like he says, like if you know what he's saying, you don't have to watch his stuff anymore. Like if you understand what he's saying. There's no point in watching this stuff. So I stopped watching a few weeks, years ago because I was like, I get it. You know, 
It's just about implementing what he's saying. And I'm sure other people, a lot of people don't like Gary Vee. says, oh, he's this, he's that, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's their prerogative. But I've, I've learned a lot from him. And I, you know, the whole idea of this is the process and enjoy the process that comes from him, you know, at least for me. Like, what allowed me to really appreciate or at least to hold that in my mind for all these years was Gary Vee. So whatever you you know you think about him, that's your whatever. <laughs> but I think there's some wisdom there. And once again, it's not just him. Like other people have said this, stoicism, um, psychology, all this other stuff. So yeah, like it's amazing. And it's not so simple. Like he mentioned in the book too. Like the only reason he had that that um. That response when the doctors told him he woke up from his coma and the doctors told him he might never walk again you know he was able to accept that in the space of like a minute a few minutes not because it was easy for him at least not like naturally but because he's been practicing that over the last year and a half right he, he heard about the five minute rule from one of his you know co-workers or bosses or whatever and he's been practicing that for <laughs> for that like for a, a while. So when that time came, he was able to utilize it. And the doctors didn't want to believe him. It was like, oh man. He hasn't he's been happy this whole time, you know, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't responded the same way as other people were worried he might be holding it in and all this other stuff. So he tried to get his, his family to, to get him to, you know, um <laughs> feel you know uh, feel bad or whatever or see if he was feeling angry or depressed or you know, stuff like that but he was like no nah, i just accept the situation like there's no point in and um you know resisting it like it, it is what it is but the doctor did say there's a small chance of, of walking again so you know that might be something i can do all right and i'm, I'm not all the way through his chapter, but I've seen how Elrod since then. I know he can walk, so he somehow figured out how to do that. And this dude is pretty amazing. Like I say, he's he's cringy sometimes, and he is, but <laughs> at least to me. But he's also pretty amazing. You know, not only did he have this is not his only you know crazy thing he's been through. He's also had cancer, um, like some really bad cancer. Like they said that they thought it was going to be fatal, but again, I don't know. Somehow <laughs> he hasn't died. Um, and I'm not gonna, not gonna say like, oh, everybody who you know, who is whatever you know is dealing with the thing who hasn't been through it is just it's not blah blah blah. Not not no, no. Like people go through different things and they deal with different things. Like he mentioned this other other guy, and who I've heard about, I forgot his name, but he has like almost no limbs. Right, he was born without, basically without. It's a special type of condition. I think maybe he, had, he might have his left arm or something like that. But he basically has no limbs. It's very difficult for him to, you know, move around. But he's an amazing person. Like, I've seen a lot of his videos and his stuff. Like, he's he just accepts it. And just, you know, he was able to compete in wrestling and do all this crazy stuff. And travel the world and all this other stuff. Like, he just accepts who he is and, and what he was born with. And, and tries to make the most out of life. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, reminds me that yeah, it's no matter what you're going through, you, you can. It's, it's a matter of acceptance. It's a matter of conscious awareness, of being aware of who you are and what, and the fact that it, it still doesn't like whatever situation you're going through. You know, whatever thing you're dealing with, it doesn't have to stop you. Like it doesn't have to be limits on what you can do. As long as you accept like the truth of the reality. And then be like, I can still do this, that, and the other, you know. You can be effectively limitless. And that's hard That's hard to really understand. That's hard to really accept <laughs> in and of itself. Like, I've heard that myself growing up. Not, you know, when I, I've been reading a lot of these types of books for a while. Not too many. Like, I, I don't read too many self-acceptance books or self-help books or whatever, but... Occasionally when I do or when I listen to, you know, these folks on TED Talks, I'm just like, huh? You know, I don't know. It's like certain things. <laughs> certain things, it feels like there's not much you can do about it. 
and and that's and that's that's actually right. Like, I think we we kind of when we hear that, at least for me, when I've heard that, it made it feel like these people just didn't want to accept reality, or or that you know they may have had some privilege, you know, and all this other stuff. And that's true. They do. They have privilege, you know. Um, they don't accept some parts of reality, but it's not what you would think. It's like everybody has privilege. Everybody has some type of privilege, you know. And there's certain parts of reality in which you don't have to accept, and that is what your mind simulates—the limits that your mind or other minds simulate, right? Because that is a part of reality. Is the fact that. You, yourself, and, you, you know, your family, your friends, society, people are simulating realities for you. They're thinking about your place in their reality. They're thinking about what your limits are. They're saying, You're, you are this, and therefore you cannot do this. You know, <laughs> this is your role. You know, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Right? And so, if you accept their reality, you can easily limit yourself. You can easily be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, it's not really much I can do there, <laughs> you know. And then you begin to, you know, accept your own simulated realities of your of your problems that you're facing. You're like, oh, I hate this. I hate that. You know, I wish I was somewhere else. I would do blah, blah, blah. I wish it was this way. It's not fair. This, that, and the other, right? And you're constantly, constantly going through that, simulating these things over and over in your mind. That's what you tell yourself. And then you have this, that's when you begin to have this, you know, Negative self-talk in your mind Saying, oh, I can't do this I can't do that You're not good enough You know, you're too poor Too black, too broke, <laughs> too short Whatever, right? Yes, these are all things I've heard in my mind <laughs> But, uh You constantly hear these negative things And it's just constantly Rolling in the back of your mind And you begin to believe it But you don't have to accept that reality. Like that's not the reality. That's a constructed thing. That's a simulation. It's not even yours to live. <laughs> it's just supposed to, you know, it's, it's it's a abuse. It's an abuse of the simulation tool. You know, these simulations should allow us to see other ways in which we can achieve our goals. Other ways in which we can you know, live the type of life that we want to live. It's not supposed to be something that limits us and makes us feel like we can't do anything, that there's no options, and blah, 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 blah. That's just an abuse. That's a misuse of that simulation tool, the neocortex of the brain. Once we accept, you know, the fact that we can't change certain things, we can focus on what we can change. What we can do. And again, it seems like simple stuff. It seems like maybe even cringeworthy stuff. But if you are like me and you're constantly anxious, insecure, worried, feeling, you know, useless, worthless, all this other stuff, then you still haven't accepted it. You still haven't digested it. I'm not sure if this is what's going to help you, but for me, you know, it's a constant process. It's a constant practice of being like, okay, you know, this is where we are right now. <laughs> and I have been practicing it over the last couple couple weeks, years, months, whatever, you know. That's what I've been trying to do with my podcast once again, <laughs> you know, kind of accepting where I am. Sharing my ideas out and uh, learning. I always feel like I may not be able to do this, that, and the other, but what I can do is learn. What I can do is share what I'm learning. What I can do is talk about my ideas. And in so doing, I can become better at ideating. I can I can become better at communicating. And hopefully, I can you know help other people. Or listening to this while I'm in the midst of it. And help other people who are listening to this way after the fact. And realize that this is part of the journey. This is part of the process. And that's okay. 
crows are so cool. But yeah, I was just blip-blopping, blip-blopping my mouth <laughs> the entire episode. This is not what I want to talk about, um, but this is what I ended up talking about. So hopefully you got something from it, and um, maybe I should just keep talking. I don't know. <laughs> I do want to touch on voxels and all this other stuff, but I think that's some good stuff to... Uh, you know, digest and think about for myself and for others. Like again, it's not it's it's easier to say, easier said than done, as they always say. But um as we say say it over and over again and as we uh choose to do it, it becomes easier and easier to do. So yeah, once again, accept where you are. Talking to myself and to, to everyone else. Accept where you are. And realize that it doesn't have to stop you. Focus on what you can do. You know, There's things that you can't change, but there's very, very, a lot of things that you can change. If you put more of your energy towards that, so with what you can change, then you'll be surprised of where you can go. It took me way longer, way longer than I expected to, to get to where I am today. But I've also learned far, far more than I ever thought I would I would need to learn or could learn to, to get here. So many aspects of reality and the world and whatever everything else that I just didn't even didn't know I didn't know (laughs) now I'm here and there's so much more to do so much more to go I'm excited and uh yeah as always thanks for listening please share this out to other folks you think need to hear this Please let me know your own thoughts and what you're going through, what you're dealing with. Let me know if you don't agree, if you you think I'm just cringy or talking on my ass. I'd love to talk about it. And um, once again, if you're listening today, tomorrow, 10 years and 50 and 100 and 1,000, a million in a different universe, a <laughs> different reality, I don't know. <laughs> Hit me up. I'll be here somehow, some way. Whether it's my atoms and the the, the the and the verse, my brain waves in the multiverse or however that works. Or somewhere in the metaverse or some PO box in the in the meat world, in my meat world. I would always, you know, love to talk. See how we can make this world better. And enjoy life more. So yeah, have a great day. And um, enjoy life. Accept life. Keep it moving. Keep it pushing. (laughs) See you. Bye-bye.